0: Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary, Fran, and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey,
1: everyone. Before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about transform every week
2: of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo, and we have got one of my most favorite people in the Zoom room, in the house, on the podcast today. And I got to warn you all, he's one of the, the most boring people we've ever met. <laughs> Opposite day. Oh, my gosh. L.A. Williams, my friend, does uh, quite a few things in this world and um, in multiple places around the country, the East Coast, the West Coast. You just I always, when I talk to L.A., I'm like, so where are you now? And he's actually a hometown Philly guy, but I don't know He's often in Philly or Cherry Hill area. Um, He's all over doing really cool things. So L.A. is the vice president of Dealer Synergy. He's licensed in personal finance. I have to actually read my notes for all the stuff that you do, L.A. He's a podcast and radio show host. And the thing that always lands as the coolest, a production engineer with people you may have heard of some of them, Beyonce, Beyonce. Katy Perry, Dr. J. Like, really? L.A. is one of the <laughs> most coolest guests we have ever had on the podcast. What's up, L.A.? How are you?
0: Hey, I am pumped up, fired up, super excited to be here with the team here. Man, doing stuff brilliantly, man. This is super cool, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I have to, okay, there's a, a bazillion things that we could talk about. And we're going to get into right. L.A.'s journey and and how we got into all this But I have to say, I I forget, I I don't even remember when, was it maybe during the pandemic LA that you reached out to me and said, Oh my God, I just heard your Ted talk. You remind me so much of my mom. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. I was like, well, wow,
2: we're going to be no, great friends. <laughs> so, so then we got to talking and now we've known each other a few years and we just were able to do a live event together in Florida. Yes. What was that? Back in the fall or the summer. Mm-hmm. And summer. all this time we've known each other, we leave the event, we go out to the car and find out we have
0: the same birthday. Yes. That was oh my phenomenal. Gosh. I was like, I knew it was something that was connecting us. Absolutely. But So I remember the day because I was, I was actually teaching at a dealership in uh, Virginia, uh, like Leesburg, Virginia or something like that. And uh, no, it wasn't there, but anyway, uh, I don't know why I was on Twitter looking at something and your a clip of your TED talk popped up. And I was like, oh, my gosh, let me let me go and look this up. And I looked it up. And, you know, sometimes you get just inspired. I said, "Yo, I have to find a way to get in contact with her. So I don't know if I just messaged you real quick, but I just knew. In and of that moment, I just uh did a podcast with Miss Nadine Vogel. She is the CEO of Springboard Consulting, uh Global Consulting. And um, uh, we just had her on the radio show and she's you know all about disabilities and all kind of cool stuff. And I was like, oh, this would be a perfect match. I gotta find a way to connect. And then plus on top of that, you reminded me of my mom. You know what I'm saying? My mom pretty listen, my mom had <laughs> in there again. <laughs> I'm like, hey. My mom, my your mom,
2: mom <laughs> had
0: 19. She is she is young as smoky. She's crazy, like everybody knows that she's fun she's the life of the party and everything but just some of the emotions that you were going through I was like "Yo, oh, I know my mom you know she felt that way at some point in time with me being totally blind so
1: so that's the point that I wanted to just make to our listeners <laughs> who don't know this we forgot the that reason part <laughs> that she reminded you of your mom is because you are not sighted as well and I'm sure that a lot of the things that she talked about your mom went through
0: Exactly, 100%. So, I mean, just from the emotions of not knowing how to handle it uh, to, you know, sometimes us as the kids grow up and we say things should be a certain way, right? I'm sure her kids said, no, mom, it's supposed to be like this. And you're like, okay, I'm listening to a four-year-old, right? But it is what it is, right? That's how the game <laughs> go. And so, um, yeah, no, I totally felt uh, exactly where she was coming from during the TED Talk. Y'all got to make sure y'all link that or something like that because it's fire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I want to dive into this a little bit now that we've revealed the big reveal that that uh, LA, L.A. and I connected because he is totally blind and, and I had done my TED Talk about, you know, changing my perception of blindness, which is, uh, you know, a key element that we talk about in being really resilient is how you look at your challenges. L.A. is also one of only six people featured in my upcoming children's book, What I Can Be Is Up To Me. And in that book, in L.A., I was hoping you could kind of, um, deep dive on this a little bit. The book, the, the premise is all about believing in yourself, no matter what the world says about you. So what I would love for mm-hmm. you to dive into here is no matter what the world expects or says or labels or biases, as folks are listening and, and are recalling that long list of things that you do in the world that people mm-hmm. would not expect. Let's let's talk about that for a hot second here about expectations and um, bouncing back from people's biases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that that thing started for me as a kid. Like, it didn't really matter what my situation was. I lost my sight at the age of three due to having glaucoma. So on my third birthday, I had my 12th surgery and I lost my sight completely, right? And I'm not saying that to give any kind of pity. The reason I'm sharing is because, you know, growing up, I wanted to be able to do all the stuff. All the other kids did. You see what I'm saying? I didn't want nobody putting no limits on me and telling me what I could and could not do. It was other kids that was outside riding their bike. Man, I wanted to ride my bike too. So what I can't see. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? It was other kids that was in the house playing video games and all kind of stuff. I want to play video games, too. Like, I don't I don't feel like nobody should be putting no limits on me based off what they think I can and cannot do. I am the one who is going to set whatever bar uh, it is that I'm going to have in my life. Right. And I just don't put limits on myself. I believe that. Listen, I told a friend of mine, listen, I can do anything you can do except see. Right. That's the only (laughs) real limitation in my life. It doesn't make because I think there's there's multiple ways to do everything in life and all I got to do is just figure out the alternate way. And so it really doesn't matter what you think I can and cannot do. I I understand, you know, after growing and things like that, that's personal limitations that other people have on themselves, right? They think that if they were in my situation, that they wouldn't be able to do it. And so they automatically tell me that I wouldn't be able to do it. But I understand that their words mean nothing to me, right? And I'm not even saying that to be, you know, degrading or how to bring anyone down, I'm just That I know that that's what they think about them, but they don't got to think that about me. As a matter of fact, it's better when I let them know hey, I totally understand where you're coming from. Let me show you why that is incorrect, right? Let me, and, and I'm not even gonna tell you why, I'm just gonna show you why I've got so many stories. About you know people trying to place a limit in front of me, and me just taking the limit and just gently removing it and throwing it to the side, right? Because I think that that is what we all have to do as people if we're going to really accomplish all our goals and dreams. So that's how that's what I say.
1: You know, I have to say the thing that I that I really love about this is this idea of showing people because you yeah. know the, the the we all know what the words are. We all know the words. We all know what everybody, you know says, but mm-hmm. after a while, that becomes it falls on deaf ears. it it, it just <laughs> becomes words like the the Charlie Brown teacher at the school, mm-hmm. you know Wa, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> here. But when you can show them, That there are other ways to do things, and you just have to figure out your way. That was one of the things I just wrote down, by the way. That's a brilliant spit right there. There are multiple ways to do things, and you just had to figure out your way and then show everybody you don't have to say a word.
0: Mm -hmm. You ain't never lie. It's absolutely the truth. So, so many times, um, I, I think, as a matter of fact, I remember a time in college where I was working on a project, and they were like, Well, LA, you know, you really need to be able to see. To do this one particular thing. And I was just like, "Mm," I didn't want to interrupt the class in order to, in order to kind of get them, you know, let them know I could do stuff. Um, how come I'm not able to put this in here right now? I'm trying to plug my iPad up because it's not gonna like want to die. All right, there we go. All right, yeah. So I remember when uh I was in that class and they were like, Oh, LA, you really need because it was we were editing dialogue or something like that. Uh, and I was just like, all right, they was, so they basically skipped my turn, okay. But there were eleven people in the class, so once the other ten people did their went their turn, there was still more time left, and so I was like, "Can okay, my turn now?" And they were like all right well if you think you can and i just went and started gra- i grabbed the keyboard it was a wireless keyboard and i started editing the dialogue using keyboard shortcuts keyboard shortcuts and then to put put matters you know make it even worse i went back and edited other people's dialogue that i felt like wasn't <laughs> done well enough and i just did it all using keyboard shortcuts and then after i was done i, I turned to the, uh, the little lab instructor and i was like you still think I can't do it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can be theatrical, well, it's, so
2: it's yeah. it's a key element, though, in terms of of living brilliantly, resilient. You know, being successful, um, thriving in a world that isn't built for maybe the challenge that that you're facing. It's those tools. You're you're talking about a, a very specific tool of blindness: the the keyboard shortcuts, the the screen readers. You know, the I know for me. Way back when, 23 years ago, when I entered into the blindness world with the first people I ever met that were blind were my own kids, right. I didn't know about the tools to work with that challenge. And once I did know about the tools, I was able to, when Michael schooled me on, hey, get out of my way, I right. was able to see it differently. But I got to tell you, L.A., even in in like when my divorce started or when I was I was having some really big financial stuff, when I start looking at you know okay what can I learn from this first of all and what are the tools and the people that I need mm. to be a part of this to help me move forward that's when I'm able to to get through the challenge um not even just quicker but stronger and come out on the other side incredibly productive
0: yeah I got you you know it's so interesting that you say that because now that you're talking I'm thinking who introduced my mother to Overbrook school for the blind or oec that's why i think sometimes she should be featured on these type of podcasts because i i I feel like i just want to call it like mom how did you get that information because i don't know if Uh there's anyone to really break all that stuff down to her i don't know how she got the information that i should go to these schools and preschool and kindergarten and all that kind of stuff i really don't know right that's a good story i'll have it for you on the next podcast right but you know (laughs) you're absolutely right it's like how where do you go When you want to succeed in a certain area, but if you've never been exposed to it before, it reminds me a lot of um, what we what we discussed during the Success Without Sight Summit, the CVI, right? Folks that are blind in a different way, right? Because I had no idea. I've just now learned about that during that uh, summit that we had. And to me, it's, it's mind blowing because, again, in those situations, people don't even know that they're blind. And even as the blind person, you just think everyone sees what you see. Right, it's almost kind of like living in a 3D world versus a 2D world. You don't know other people are in 3D if you only if you only experience 2D. You just think that that's how the world is. And so I love what you're saying because you just thought. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that there's blind people that exist, but I never had to, you know, be in the world. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's like. I don't know how they handle things. I don't know what tools. I don't know what people. I don't know what schools. I don't know what anything. Right. And so for you to just be thrown in, right, it's like you're gonna sink or swim. But again, uh, you got some awesome kids that allows you to, to help you to really swim. So I'm excited.
1: You know, it's funny. I, I'm listening to you and, and I'm thinking about one of the things that we do talk about with the whole brilliantly resilient world, and that is building that tribe and and mm-hmm. finding the information that you don't have. You, know, you just said something about how do you, where do you go when you want to excel in a certain area and you've never been exposed to that? Well, mm-hmm. We've got so much access these days, but a lot of time it, it it's a matter of not being afraid to ask the questions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I I think that actually is where it starts, right? Because instead of just assuming that there's nothing, right, or there's you know people go, oh, there's nothing I can do. Is that not- Let's start asking the question because purely by you asking the question, I don't mean to get all super deep on you on the law of attraction and all that kind of good stuff. But the whole thing is, if I just ask the question, if I know that there has to be a way, then somehow things start, you know, it, it, you, you never know. Sometimes you might be in line at McDonald's, right? And then you see somebody up front that's, you know, totally blind or somebody with their kid that's blind. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I just attracted you into my life because I needed to meet you because I was just in my car fretting over the fact that i don't know how to do blank you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? so it, it doesn't that's the kind of stuff that'll happen for you in the world And people just gotta know that it, everything every answer is out there man there's nothing new under the sun and so there's always someone who's gone through what you're going through and they can help you that's the whole thing life is a team game i talk about it all the time right life is a team game and you need other players there's other people who have played the game there's coaches there's other players right there are people who there are things that you're going through right now you have no idea why you're going through it except in about two three four five six eight nine ten twenty years there's going to be somebody who's going through it believing that they're the only one and you're going to come across them and you're going to be able to help them see man i'm telling you it's a plan out there in the universe I'm t- Look. Don't get me wait, started, Frank.
2: Wait a minute. <laughs> you just took this in a whole new at a whole new level that we have not talked about on this on this show before. We, we've often talked about this whole loss versus gain in terms of when a challenge comes. Everyone stays focused on the loss instead of looking at the gain and giving themselves some fuel to move forward. But we have not explored this concept of there's so many times where people say there can't possibly be a gain in this, no matter how I look at it. And you're saying, guess what? Then the gain is in 5, 10, 15, maybe 25 years, I'm going to be able to help somebody else that's going through this. And that alone, because part of living brilliantly resilient is being of service to other Mm -hmm. people. That alone is an element there of, okay, then let me just figure out a way through this because, and then let me take note because I'm going to have to help somebody later. That's brilliant.
0: 100%.
2: Wow. Thank you. But wait, Appreciate I want to, I want to back up for a second and, and tell folks, I want you to, to tell folks dealer synergy. I just love this. I love that you do this. What are you out there? And you said that you were at a, a training, Um, you mm-hmm. thought in, in one of the other States, what are you out there training people
0: to do? So my company is an automotive training consulting company. And what we do is we Train dealers on how to sell more cars, mostly using the Internet, but basically how to improve their processes at the dealership. And so uh, a friend of mine, Sean V. Bradley, he have founded the company back in two thousand four, and his wife, they end up getting married. Mm, they are gonna be mad if I don't say this right. Probably like two thousand seven. I know I met him in two thousand seven, right? So, um, <laughs> so, but she was a client of mine. She's a pop artist. She's got songs with Meek Mill and you know Remy Mine, and all those kind of people. And he said, "Man, LA, you know, if you can get pop artists to get songs to sound good." I know you can get car salespeople to get phone calls that sound good. And I was just like, yeah, whatever, man. I ain't paying no attention, right? Because I was living my life in the music industry. But then, of course, we know that we all experience some sort of uh, professional heartbreak at some point in time. And that's what I did. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah, Sean. Remember you said right? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he and I got connected. This must have been two thousand nine ish, two thousand ten ish, and uh, got connected. And he, you know, just brought me on uh, to work as just an, a, an analyst, right? Just listening to phone calls and saying, hey, you know what? You're, this phone call sounds a little boring. No wonder that person uh, didn't decide to set an appointment or come buy a car from you. Uh, this is how you need to say, because there's scripts and all kinds of things like that that people should use, obviously, in a professional environment. And so it's just coaching people. But then, you know, through the years, I just kept, you know, it made I have so many stories about going to dealerships and, you know, coaching them live and then show them how, showing them how to do it. And initially, it started just on the phones. But I mean, you got to grow from that at some point, and I did. And now I coach managers and even salespeople. I've sold cars. I've you know coached folks on how to sell the car properly because it's all about a proper customer engagement. And so basically, that's what we do. We're we're really helping folks. And you know, throughout the years, I just kept getting promoted and kept getting promoted, and to the point now where I have partial ownership in the company and and the vice president. So,
2: well, the I reason I wanted you to I wanted to to point this out to folks is that you. Are working in the car industry, the car, the <laughs> automobile, and and this uh-huh. is where I, this is where it like really puts the the laser focus on our our implicit biases, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most people would never consider La Williams, a totally blind person, to come into the automotive industry whatsoever. But your friend Sean realized you have these as i call them the competitive edge skills because of the life that you have led and look what it's done for for his company now now both of your company to not Mm -hmm. have that bias about what a person can or cannot do no labels and bring in your skills um that that really do give you and the company the edge.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And he talks about it all the time. He's like, there's got to be one of the most incredible things to happen for his company. Because again, it does, it removes the biases, right? It's like, hey, listen, if you have a talent, if you have a skill, if you have something that we can uh, used to help the overall market, let's go out there and do it, right? And and let's not place any, like you talked about limits. I mean, I, right now, I just finished coaching and I'm going to have, he's going to speak with me at a uh, National Automobiles Dealers Association show in February of next year, right? 2024. He's a, he's a totally blind gentleman who was selling mops on the corner in Arizona and now he's selling cars. He got in the automotive industry just last month, uh, sold a bunch of cars. He's from Mexico. I mean, got... He just got such a such an amazing personality. He's been on my podcast, the Millionaire Car Salesman Podcast. And um, I was just talking to him yesterday, right? He's actually in Mexico right now doing something with his wife. But again, we're going to speak. We're going to have a, that conversation because I'm like, hey, remember the last time, and I think you remember when I did this in 2022, I spoke at NADA and I talked about the business benefits of hiring people with disabilities, right? That was right. the exact talk that I gave. Well, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. Um, I'm actually going to shoot this video. As soon as I'm done doing this, I'm going to go shoot a video that talks about it. I'm going to say, hey, this time, I told, y- I told y'all that last time. This time, I'm going to bring a friend, right? And this gentleman is totally blind, and he's killing the game, selling cars, right? You know, and, and again, it's it's not only what's great for him, but what is it doing for the other four or five salespeople who are watching him? They used to do their thing, selling their little 8, 9, 10 cars, but then here comes this guy doing his thing, selling man they get they get real competitive they go wait wait a minute if he can do that with, without having all five of his senses what can i do let me stop being lazy let me get on tiktok let me get on social media let me start calling some customers let me you know up my game with my overall customer experience you know all of that kind of stuff and then it just makes the whole entire dealership better
1: <laughs> you know, there's a couple of things that you just said. And by the way, my hand hurts because I've been writing and scribbling <laughs> everything that you have come up with. But there are a couple of things that, that you just said that really struck me. And one of them was about proper customer engagement and that idea of building relationships. And the other one, I think, probably ties directly into that where you talked about you remove the biases and you remove the limits. Mm-hmm. So when you remove, those biases, I would venture to guess that's a way to reach out to a customer on a really authentic human kind of level. You know, I mean, people have this idea, I'm sure I'm not telling you something you don't know, of car salesmen as being mm-hmm. like slick and that kind of thing. Right. But it sounds to me like what you're trying to do is reach people on a more human level. Is that is that correct? And an authentic level?
0: 100%. Here's something that I said, going into 2020, um, pre, right around the pandemic, I said this, I said, um, you know, one of the things that is going to be the difference in this decade versus the last is that if you're going to be successful in any way, shape or form, you have to bring authenticity, right? People are so sick and tired of the fake and phony, right? And they can see it, they can smell it, they can, taste, they, you know, they, they can just feel it coming off you, right? And so you got to make sure that you are completely authentic, because without that, man, you're going to be in trouble. Now, here's the other aspect of it. One of the things that we talk about in order to show your authenticity is video. A, video. a video strategy, I think every single business must have a video strategy. Why? Because you can't hide behind video, right? It is what it is. You get sight, you get sound, you get motion, you get emotion through, from a video, right? Stuff that you don't get. People are like, oh, I'm going to take some pictures of the vehicle. Why? Why are you gonna take pictures? It's so late. First of all, I never really got nothing out of the pictures in there, but you could always shoot a video, right? You could always explain what's happening during the video. You can always, and so it meant it's just a much better engagement when someone has a video. Right? I always tell people, listen, even if you shoot a video uh of someone that's gonna come into the dealership and you let them know where the park and all of that kind of stuff. And hey, when you come in here, you're gonna see, you know, Patty, she's sitting right here. So man, people get that that element of deja vu when they get to the dealership. One of the number one fears outside of the fear of public speaking is the fear of the unknown. And what happens is I don't care what your business is. It could be a dentist office, whatever, right? If you show folks exactly what it's like when they arrive, if you have a challenge with, you know, people actually showing up and making it to their appointments, well maybe it's because they're a little afraid of what that engagement is going to be like. If you could create some sort of video strategy to show people exactly what they're going to be dealing with, man, I'm telling you, it changes the entire game when it comes to uh, how your customers engage and really appreciate you as a business.
2: You know, this is this, what you just are explaining. Really, it really transfers and translates to every area. I mean, I'm thinking about like, you know, because my sons are blind, I invested so much time in, in explaining to them about before we would go somewhere or Mm -hmm. before school would start, or they would get to know the buildings that we were going in. Right. And then I realized my sighted daughter completely benefited from all of those explanations. And it's that what to expect, right? Like what to expect. And I think that that gets lost on all of us, even in the with the pandemic, when nobody knew what to expect, we could mm-hmm. at least sit with our our kids and family and coworkers, and whatever, and say, "Well, here's what we can expect today." Like small mm-hmm. chunks of 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 communicating. I guess that's the key element here: yeah. communicating with people, mm-hmm. expectations, um, making them feel more comfortable. But really, what you're talking about too is that whole relationship piece yep. and this this authenticity and relationships. I got to tell you, I see it as a very incredible skill that my boys have that you have that Charlie has everyone in my world that is succeeding without sight that has yeah. surpassed these biases and limits the authenticity is unbelievable but they can sense it and see it in people that they meet it is uncanny mm-hmm. to me like i've i said one time on on a stage years ago in my own hometown i said something about michael and Mitchell can tell in a hello and handshake if somebody's trustworthy Mm-hmm. And the crowd was kind of like, oh, what What did they think when they met
1: me? <laughs> That's cool. I'm like, if well you're cool. slimy, they're going to know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think what you're also both talking about right now goes back to a point that Kristen has made a number of times. Um, and and you're, you're just, you're showing us that. That idea of an adversity actually being an advantage because... Yeah. By you having to kind of know what's coming and figure out what's you know going on and what to expect and where to go and how to move around places and whatnot because of your lack of vision, those of us who are are sighted often takes that for granted, but we we can't answer those questions ahead of time. And therefore you're, you know bombarded with a whole lot of information at one point. And when someone who has a different perspective as you do, takes the information that we would all have to process at one time and says ahead of time, okay, here's what's going to happen. I I just automatically feel myself relaxing when somebody mm-hmm. lets me know, okay, here's what you're going to have to deal with. And you do that naturally. But now you have taken that and turned it into a way to make it an advantage in a business. And yeah. that's what we talk about, about being brilliant.
0: Oh, man, I definitely appreciate it. And yeah, um, I call it adversity university, right? So many people (laughs) don't want to go to adversity university. However, it is one of the best places, right? If you really want to learn about life, right? We got to make sure that we go through it. You want to, you know, basically pass with flying colors, right? And that doesn't mean it's going to be any easy classes. As a matter of fact, most of them are extremely difficult. That's why it's called that, right? And so, yeah, 100 percent. I think that uh, we got to go out and do that. And here's the thing. Uh, I, I think that we just have to have that consideration for each other as human beings. You know, one of the most annoying things, right, is when someone thinks that I'm, quote unquote, normal or I have sight, they'll treat me a certain way. But then when I feel like they figure out that I'm blind, it's like, oh, now, all of a sudden they got all this extra patience. Well, damn it. Why didn't they have those extra patience with any human being? You know what I'm saying? Just because I'm, you know, tall or short or whatever, you know, what I'm saying? just any aspect, just because I'm another human being. Why not have that level of patience? Because if we did that, man, I believe we could absolutely change the world.
1: You're so right. And my problem is I don't have patience with anybody. So I have to sighted, <laughs> not cited. I, I just have to get better in that area.
0: Yeah, because as you just said, you, we want somebody to have patience with us. Right. Right. And so the whole do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. And so, listen, don't rush me along because you wouldn't want me to rush you along. Right. Don't don't do anything to me that you wouldn't want to have done uh, to yourself or even if it's not you specifically, maybe your grandmother. Right. Maybe you want somebody to treat your grandmother or your daughter or your, you know, your husband or yourself. You want people to treat your family member a certain type of way. So why not just treat each other that way anyway?
2: Wait, I got to bring up this story because it's so funny that it falls right into this. Having patience with people. I experienced L.A., trying his very best to have patience with the the car reservation guy, the rental uh, car guy. I, I think it was he was in Texas. He <laughs> called me. He's like, Kristen, I got to tell you, I'm trying to rent this car. And he's in front of the guy at the counter. He's like, I'm trying to rent this car for my wife and I. I guess she was getting the bags for them. They're not giving it to me because I'm a blind guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, can you imagine this guy? And he's telling me the whole and, – and then after he's <laughs> – L.A. is like calmly and hilariously telling me what's happening. He goes, oh, how about that? He suddenly has a car for me. It was, he's like, I'm on the phone with Kristen Smedley. I'm like, you doesn't know who Kristen Smedley is. He's like, that's OK. I'm on the phone with Kristen Smedley. It was hilarious. And it's frustrating. And I was like, we could have. If that was me, my head probably would have exploded. I would have lost my mind. And LA's just like, I'm making a call here. And it was so funny. They're probably still going, who's Kristen Smith? <laughs> <laughs> but he, as he's telling me what happened, it, it was very clear to the guy that he was being a wacko and then finally end up giving him the car. But it was mm-hmm. the funny, it was one of the funniest practices and patience I have ever had. But I also want to ask you this. In, especially in Thriving Blind Academy, where we are working with lots of folks that are, we're trying to show them the adversity is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk, so many of the mentors that are succeeding with outside talk about having a plan A, a plan B, and a lot of times a plan C. And I actually see that as one of the biggest advantages of people that do face adversity and people that have learned to live brilliantly resilient as is that we realize going into things It doesn't always work out. But Mm. if you have a plan B, you don't get so upset and stuck that plan A didn't work out. Agree?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing. So I just talked to my son about this recently. Um, We were having a conversation and he was like, man, I'm going to be mad if... And I'm like, no, you can't make that decision ahead of time. You can't say, I'm going to be mad if such and such. You're just planning to be mad. What you got to say is if this thing happens, then I'm going to take responsibility because I know I put myself in that situation, right? And so what we got to do is, hey, if this thing happens, then I'm going to I'm going to do this particular thing. Now, if that doesn't work, then I'll have to likely go in this direction. I'll test this out and see if it worked, right? You got to kind of have those levels of what you're going to do, and most people do it. How many times have any of us? Well, and if this, happens, I'm going to be mad if she says if somebody say one more. thing, you're pre-planning a negative experience for yourself. Makes zero sense to me, right? And I listen. I do act like I ain't never done it before. I'm sure I have, and I would hope that I have someone to coach me and go, "La, you can't plan to be upset if one if a particular thing happens." But I do try to be mindful again of following the advice that I give. I'm, you know, I'd say it to my son, and it just it 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 made still so clear to me when he said it, and I'm like, no, I, this is a moment but I have to coach him and help him understand that he can't make a decision like that ahead of time. So Mm. I totally agree with you. That's,
1: that's just brilliant because I mean, so often we talk about and brilliantly resilient. We talk about not being married to an outcome, because you just don't know you set a plan in motion but so many people not only have the outcome in their mind but the reaction that they're going to have as you just said (laughs)
0: because it's usually a negative outcome right
1: (laughs) i mean it's it's just madness it's absolutely it's absolute madness so to your point yeah don't plan on being mad but maybe also don't necessarily plan on that thing happening that you want and what are you going to do if it doesn't
0: yep yeah, we should always have the plan that things are going to happen positively. And listen, I I personally struggle with this, but my, I have such an imagination, right? And there will be times where I'll just imagine stuff that I mean have zero point zero 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 one chance of happening, and I'll play the whole scene out and everything like that. You know, one of the things I think is pretty cool about that is Shonda Rhimes. Um, she writes a lot. Of you guys don't know who she is, look her up, mm-hmm. right? But you know, she talks about how she you know allows that that very idea of things playing out crazily to her and she just makes makes moves out of it and just pays her a whole lot of money right? and so I, just because that's not my profession and I, don't, I would have to really develop myself if I wanted to write some stuff and like I said some of the stuff that goes on in my head I don't know <laughs> <laughs> like, right. But again, I do. And then I have to tell myself, L.A., first of all, you don't want that situation to happen. So why are you imagining it? And then number two, this is the likelihood of it happening. Why are you you don't even need to create a plan for that? I promise you, L.A., this plus this plus this is not going to happen. <laughs> <I> <laughs> well, well
2: that's like, um, you know, Mary Fran often says about when when things happen or when you start your brain starts starts to spiral with imagining mm-hmm. all these things. Is it, the question is, is it true? Is that true that that's yeah. even happening right now? Is it mm-hmm. true that it's even possible? Like, come on.
0: Yeah, right. And that's why we got to stop ourselves within 17 seconds, right? Because it takes 17 seconds for a thought seed to begin to germinate, right? And so even if those things particularly don't happen, something along that same Frequency, if you understand, I told you I wasn't gonna go deep. Maybe I lied, right? But you know, something <laughs> something along that frequency of that negative thing is gonna happen. And so it's just like music. I come from doing music production engineering. Sometimes if you play a low note, there's something else in the room that will vibrate. Well, that's how it works. Also, if you're thinking a negative thought, that negative thought may not happen specifically, but something that vibrates along the same frequency of that thought will happen. And then you'll be like, Oh, did I attract this? Yep, you sure did. The law of attraction never lies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's awesome. I always sure tell this
1: story. We went to see, my husband and I went to see the uh, comedian Sinbad a number of years ago in a mm-hmm. theater. And, you know, theater seats are they're right on top of each other and you're squished. Yeah. And we hate sitting in the middle, but we were in the middle and the seat next to me was empty. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's an empty seat. But because I was a negative Nancy at the time, I was like, oh, who am I kidding? Somebody's going to come down this aisle and they're going to be huge. And they're going to sit
0: right <laughs> next to me. That
1: is exactly what
0: happened. Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So, you know, to your point, I love this 17 seconds bit. I always talk about the 15 minute master, you know, just take like 15 minutes at a time. But this is genius. Mm -hmm. This 17 seconds, you know, put up the stop sign and and redirect, take another path.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right.
1: I I like the whole thing about
2: 17 seconds because that gives me a little bit of grace to not – because I feel like I I get on my own case about if I have these negative thoughts and I don't immediately stop them and flip my head around, then I'm like, oh, Kristen, come on. Why are you letting that – why are you letting that go? But 17 seconds, that gives me a chance to go, oh, okay, and slowly Mm -hmm. go – Let's let's revert to something else here. All right. I like the grace period of 17 seconds. Thank you for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, the, and the cool thing about it is, just, again, 17 seconds is once once it begins to sprout. Right. But think about it. Even if it begins to sprout and it turns into two, if you got a, a little seed that kind of grows it, you can easily smash it. You know, what I'm saying if you really needed to. So even still, just it's the point of. You know, 17 seconds, then one turns into two negative thoughts. And then 34, two turns to four. And then 68, four turns to eight. And then it starts to get really challenging, right? If you start thinking negatively, and then you just allow yourself to stay that way within five minutes. Now you're crying, right? Because you thought about all of these different th- things have begun. They've multiplied on you. So I, I still think you're good even within that first seven. Obviously, that's the best time. But even in the first 34, 68 seconds, it's still manageable. It's when it snowballs that it begins to you know, be a problem.
1: There you go. Well, I have to tell you, first of all, I have to stop this before my hand falls off. So that's number one. <laughs> but this has just been the most delightful and brilliant conversation. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, if there's anything in particular you want to leave our listeners with, and then we need to know where we can find you to get some more of this L.A. Williams energy, because I need me some of that every day.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, first of all, one of the things that I'll say, I know we didn't really discuss this Uh Kristen said in the beginning about me being licensed in personal finance. I think that's an area that we all just got to improve on, right? We all got to kind of learn about how money works. Uh, We got to learn about, you know, we got to just make sure that we do better with our money, man. I'm telling you, there's so many uh, benefits that come uh, when we understand money and how it works and, you know, all of that good stuff. So I just think, you know, I always want to spread some education about money and finance, right? And so that's one of the things that we talk a lot about on my radio show the against all odds radio show right so that's one place that you can find me on instagram just check out the against all odds radio show uh on instagram i don't check the messages as often as i should right but <laughs> 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 but you can definitely reach me there outside of that um that uh, my show the millionaire car salesman podcast i like to just give people my cell phone number if they you know just to be a part of my community i tell them my number is 267 267- Five five one six two seven nine. just shoot me a text message right I'll do is I'll I'll send you a message back that has a link where you can put your information in my phone right because <laughs> I'm I don't know lazy whatever I got stuff to do right so I'll send you a <laughs> link back but send me a text <laughs> to that number 267 551 five, five, 6279 that's the best way to get a hold of me I am on Twitter at Dubs Club D-U-B-B-S Club uh, I'm on Facebook those those messages get checked a whole lot more often as you heard earlier that's how I found Kristen, uh be on twitter right because it's I'm quick i can just check them real quick and then i'm on to my next thing right and then facebook of course everybody's there so you know you can find me there la williams on uh facebook and anything dealer synergy related um you know you can find me you can, I'm, I'm easily found
2: awesome awesome i love it and you'll be able to um you'll be able to find uh a little bit of la in the in the upcoming children's book what i can be is up to me It is absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal. I can't even, I just can't even. It is so exciting. L.A., Never, you never, ever disappoint. I always (laughs) smile ear to ear and have the best time when you are in my Zoom room, on my phone, or in my rental car in Florida.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We had a great time. (laughs)
2: That was fun. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. If you need even more steps to get Brilliantly Resilient, just go to brilliantlyresilient.net and sign up for our Brilliance Bit, where L.A. will be featured in a few weeks when this episode is released. We deliver a less than one-minute read to your email mail inbox once a week to help keep you living brilliantly resilient. We'll see y'all next time.
0: Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.